Well, hello, everyone. Welcome again to Grace. We're really glad you're here. I think today's going to be a special day in the life of our church, but also a very special day very personally in the lives of, of many of us. Because today we're going to end our service in a, in a rather unusual way. Uh, we're going to carve out some time for prayer. Now, I want you to know there's always opportunity for prayer after every service at Grace, whether it's in a prayer corner, whether it's at the front altar area. There will always be leaders there, men and women who are available to pray with you. So please be aware of that. That is true every single time we gather. But today, we're going to carve out a special time. This is your time. And at the end of the message, we're going to have leaders here, small group leaders, elders, ministry leaders, some staff members will be here, and they are here for you. We're here really for one another. And I'm expecting the Lord to do some wonderful things among us today. I'm convinced this is your moment with Almighty God. And for many of you, this is gonna be a breakthrough moment in your journey with God. I'm reading the scripture today from Exodus chapter four. I'm starting in verse one. Exodus chapter four, as we continue to make our way through these early chapters in the book of Exodus. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. You know, in our journey with God, he often asks for things from us. I want you to be aware of that. In fact, he will consistently ask things of us. You can just count on that. You may remember last week when God met with Moses through the burning bush, God asked him to do something unusual. He said, I want you to take your sandals off because the place you're standing is holy ground. And many of you will remember from last Sunday that it was a very special moment, I think, for many of us as so many of you took the time to just remove your shoes and, and stand to your feet. And we had a special prayer. And I've, I've heard from so many about how special that moment was for you. And I think taking our shoes off represented God wants our feet in mission for him. He's got an assignment for us. And so when we take off our shoes and it's like we're consecrating our feet, saying, Lord, I will go wherever you want me to go. God asked for Moses' shoes. But today we're seeing a second thing God asked for and this is crucial to the rest of the story because in verse two that we just read, God said, what is that in your hand? 
And of course, what was in his hand was his shepherd's staff. It was his basic tool that he used as a shepherd. Uh, From what I understand historically, usually a shepherd's staff in that day was at least as long as the shepherd himself, sometimes longer. It was a stick, a piece of wood that had a crook, a big crook on one end of it called a shepherd's crook. And so he could use this staff to do all kinds of things, but among them would be to direct and sort of prod the sheep in a certain direction. But also, if a sheep got in trouble, he could use the crook part on it to kind of haul the sheep in if it was in trouble, and he could provide care in some way. So when God asked, what is that in your hand? That staff represented just about everything that Moses cherished. When you think about it, it represented everything in his life, things like security in this world. It represented his livelihood, his income. It was the way that he provided clothing for himself and his family. It represented the well-being of all of those he loved, since it was through shepherding that he literally made a life for himself and for them. In a sense, this staff in his hand represented all that was precious to Moses. So when God says, throw it down, lay this staff down, that that must have been really provocative and very intriguing for Moses. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Now, I imagine that Moses had more than his share of run-ins with snakes because he lived outdoors pretty much all day long. He's over in this wilderness area on the backside of Midian where it was just riddled with poisonous snakes. And no doubt, he had had some sheep bitten by snakes. Maybe some of them died. Maybe Moses had also seen some people who'd been bitten and were severely injured by that, harmed by that, or perhaps even lost their life. So this emblem of his sustenance is now a snake, and he's scared of it. And God goes on to say in verse four, then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Now, I grew up in the backwoods of Tennessee, and uh, I try to not plague you with too many stories from my growing up days, but uh, I'm going to tell you one today, all right, because it's such a disconnect in the cultures. My life now looks very little like it looked then, but growing up on a farm, kind of in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee, I had a lot of encounters with poisonous snakes mostly copperheads, which were the most common form of poison snake we had around. But one day, my nephew, Gary, and I, he's eight months older than me, even though he's my nephew, because he was my oldest sister's son, and we kind of grew up together. Our ages were so close. We were out digging medicinal roots in the woods. Boy, isn't that a strange thing? 
We were digging ginseng and golden seal and star root and snake root and root, roots like that. And we sold these to provide additional income. It was a great way to just kind of get a little extra money. And so often we would go out in the woods and we'd be miles away from the nearest house, no phones, no cell phones, anything. You're just kind of out there on your own. And we were moving from one big track of woods to another, walking through an old field. It was kind of grown up. But there was a deer trail that kind of made its way through the field. And I happened to be walking in front of Gary at that moment, and suddenly I froze in my tracks because there before us, just a few feet away, was the largest rattlesnake I had ever seen. And it was right in the deer path, and it was coiled and ready to strike. Now again, we were familiar with snakes. We saw all kinds of snakes all the time. But I, up to that point, had never seen an actual rattler out in the wild, in real life. And so I was kind of intrigued by that. Now, we're 15 years old. So I did something I'm not sure I would do today. I had this actual stick with me, this very stick. This is a dogwood stick that my father carved by hand. Dogwood is one of the hardest kinds of, of wood. And so he often made walking sticks with these, and we took these with us in the woods to knock down spider webs and, you know, kill snakes and things like that. All kinds of uses for a stick like this. And so we kind of looked at each other, and I said, I, I, I'm curious what it would look like. I'd seen copperheads strike, but I wanted to see a rattler in action. So I waved this stick in front of this coiled snake, and he struck it. Wow, that was vicious. And he's getting more menacing by the moment, and his rattles are buzzing, and he is just on high alert. And so I waved it again, and he struck it four or five times, okay? And when our curiosity had finally been settled about this rattlesnake, I killed the snake with this stick, and took my hunting knife and cut off his rattles. And these are the very rattles from the snake, 14 rattles and a button, and uh, I just kept these through the years. I'm amazed they're still in good shape and still work. Uh, but I wanna tell you, when you see a live rattler out in the wild and it's menacing like that, it sends a corkscrew sensation up your spine. The snake was actually over four feet long, a little bit longer than this stick, and it was as big around as my forearm at its biggest part. Uh, so that was my first encounter uh, with a rattlesnake. I've had other encounters after that, but that was the first one. So growing up on a farm, again, I've been around a lot of poison snakes, but here's my point. Don't miss the point. One thing I know about snakes you never, ever want to pick up a snake by the tail. So if you're going to pick up a snake, and I'm not actually encouraging that idea, but if you do, you want to grab him just behind the head where he can't bite you. So that's why I'm so intrigued by God's instruction here to Moses to take it by the tail. I mean, what is behind that? Just as a little footnote, you know, there's been a renewed interest in Egyptology. 
And over the last several decades, there have been a lot of renewed studies about it, a lot of archaeology and excavation done there. And people have discovered, scholars have discovered that a hooded cobra was the emblem of royalty, as though the cobra was going to protect the Pharaoh. And so as they've learned about things, they've learned what a prominent place snakes had in the life of Egypt. In fact, about 100 years ago, when the tomb of Tutankhamun was unearthed, they found that on the mummy burial mask of Tutankhamun were two carved cobras into that burial mask. So Moses knew all about the culture in Egypt. He knew that snakes were respected. And God says, now, I want you to take this snake by the tail. That's something a savvy shepherd would never do. He would know better than that. So what is God trying to say here? Is God saying, look, if you do what I direct, I'm showing you that I have power over serpents, even though they're so revered and respected in Egypt. Could that be a part of it? Is God saying to Moses in this instruction, look, if you obey me, even though it seems so potentially dangerous, if you just obey what I direct, look, I'll take care of the danger. Or is this some kind of weird trust exercise? You know, like you fall backward and trust someone to catch you before you hit the ground. Is this a trust exercise where God is saying, look, Moses, Leadership lesson 101, if you think this is hard, buddy, listen, you're going to face some things that will require a lot more courage than taking this snake by the tail. Is that it? Folks, I don't know. But I do know this, God always has a point when he asks something of us. God's directives in our lives are never futile or pointless. Whatever test we're going through, God always has a design and a plan in what he allows us to go through. But I find one detail here very interesting. When you read on in the story in chapter four, it says, so Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey. That was their version of a limo, okay? Put the family in the limo and started back to Egypt, and he took the staff of God in his hand. Do you notice the subtle shift there? Just a few verses earlier, it was called Moses' staff. But now, look, it's called the staff of God. Moses is apparently learning a powerful lesson here that this staff is really God's. It came from God. It's sustained by God. It's a gift from him. And listen, he can do amazing things with it when we're willing to lay it down because it really belongs to God. It's God's stuff. It's God's staff. And what a staff it is. I mean, if you carefully read this story, and we're not gonna take the time to do that right now, but it's amazing how many times this staff of God is mentioned 
It's incredible what God did through this staff. Just to give you a few examples, it's this staff, by the way, this shepherd's staff that God instructed Moses to raise up and the waters of Egypt turned to blood. It's this staff that Moses waved and lightning flashed and thunder boomed. It's this staff that Moses took and God brought a fierce wind to the land and dust and every one of those particles of dust became a gnat. It's this staff, as if it could get even more dramatic, that when they were pinned against the Red Sea and thought there was no way out as the armies of Egypt and their charioteers were bearing down upon them, it's this staff that God instructed Moses to hold out over the waters and the sea uh, parted and they were able to go through on dry land. It's this staff, it just goes on and on. It's this staff that when they were out of water, God said, strike this rock with the staff, and water gushed forth and quenched their thirst. It's this staff that when a battle was raging, God said, hold it up. And when he held up the staff of God, God gave them victory. No, we're not talking about a magic wand. We're talking about the staff of God. And it's that staff, that staff that represented every security, every cherished thing in Moses' life. And it's that staff that God asked him to lay down. And so what I'm asking you today is what is the proverbial staff in your hand that God is asking you to lay down? It's on that point that I think we need to press in and begin to ask some questions. By the way, that's why in just a few minutes, we're gonna have a time of prayer. I'm gonna ask you courageously at that point, unashamedly to stand up and step forward and make your way to the front area at Half Moon, at Saratoga, at Latham, where leaders will be there for you, ready to pray with you about any issue in your life. Now, when you come forward in just a few minutes, uh, you don't have to pray with a prayer leader there. That's perfectly okay. If, if you just want to pray alone, then I urge you to do that. You can stand, you can kneel, you can sit on the floor. It doesn't matter. You can sit on one of the, the front chairs or whatever. And if, if someone asks you, would you like to pray, just politely refuse if you'd rather not. But These prayer leaders will be here for you. And there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of potential reasons that we might come for prayer. I want to talk through some of those possibilities with you. Things, areas in our lives where God may be touching us right now and moving. These are areas where He may be speaking into your life and mine, asking us now, asking us to lay something down for his sake. So let me go over a few of those before we come to our prayer time. What is that in your hand? It might represent your family, for instance. Now, I've been in ministry long enough to know that family can be not only the greatest blessing in a person's life, but also the greatest source of pain. Amen, 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 amen. I mean, 
When family's working well, it's awesome. It's so encouraging. But when it's not going well, ooh, it hurts. Because these are the people that mean the most to you. So some of us need to come today and go, look, the marriage is okay, but wow, God has so much more. It's just not flourishing. And, 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 and I want to come today and pray. Maybe you want to come as a couple. Maybe as a couple, you would just clasp hands and come forward together as a couple and say, we need prayer for our marriage. You lay that marriage down at God's feet and give it to him, fully committed to him. Uh, what is that in your hand? Well, to be honest, you say, I think God is dealing with me about my significant other. For some of you, it may be the boyfriend in your life, the girlfriend in your life. You say, well, he's a, he's a really nice guy. She's a really wonderful girl. But in your heart of hearts, come on, in your heart of hearts, you know this relationship is not being built on God's values. You know that. And I, don't, I, I wouldn't even dare to tell you what God's future is for you. I don't know if that's the, the guy God has. I don't know if that's the woman God has for you. But I know this. He cares more about that relationship than even you do. And so if you come and you are willing to lay that at God's feet and, and say by doing that, listen, I put this relationship in God's hands on God's terms, God may astound you at what he does with that. Others of you need to come and go, well, I, I tell you what I need to maybe put at God's feet is my academic career. My life has been all about learning and getting ready for my big vocation and what I'm gonna do in life. And wow, I've been just trying to knock the ball out of the park academically. And you're, you're a student right now and maybe you're really flourishing with that. But here's my question for you. As a person who spent many years of my life in academic institutions, working on degrees, have you ever put your vocational future in God's hands? Have you ever really turned that over to him? Perhaps today is the day that you lay your vocational plans down at his feet and invite him to guide you through the process. Today is that moment for you. Others of you go, Pastor, speaking of profession, I'll tell you, my life is all about my work. I live, eat, sleep, breathe, work. I'll tell you that right now. You know what? I kind of like you. I like hardworking people. But can I tell you something about the Bible in case you don't know this? You will be hard-pressed to find any book on this planet that values work more than the Bible. In fact, you want a book that warns against laziness and sloth and idleness, this is your book. If you want a book that praises industry and diligence and hard work, this is the book that does that. Are you with me? So, wow, I love a hardworking person. But can I tell you what I've noticed? Work can become an idol. Is that you? Work, work can become an idol. I mean, I can name dozens of people right now. I know where work is literally the obsession of their life. And work edges God out. 
what is that in your hand? Maybe you just say, wow, it's my work life that I need to come and just say, God, I want you to have your proper place. Oh, I could go on forever. I, I wanna be brief though. Some of you need to come about your future. You, you, you need to come here today and go, you know what? I'm obsessed with my future. Boy, I identify with you. Can, can I just, little moment of vulnerability? I have spent most of my life dreaming and scheming and planning and making goals and being very ambitious about the future. I'm all about the future. That's what my life has been about. Boy, if that's you, I identify with you because that's the way I'm wired Maybe, maybe God is moving in your heart today and going, look, you need to give your future to me because hey, here's, the, here's the shocker. I care more about your future than you do. You gotta get it in your head. I love you. I want a good future for you. I have plans for you and I will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I may tweak them a little bit. I may tweak them a little bit along the way but you need to come today and pray about your future. What is that in your hand? Well, for some of you, it might be your own possessions that you need to come and pray about. You say, Pastor, I've worked hard. I've earned every penny I've got. Bravo. I've already told you what the Bible says about good hard work. Amen, amen. Let's keep it real. I've observed in my own life and the life of many people I know, few things have the power of possessions to take the place of God in our lives. Money, possessions can become an idol so easily, and that's why Jesus just put it straight. He said, you cannot serve both God and money. So today might be a pivotal moment for you where you just come and go, I've got to face it. This, this has become too large in my life. It's become too important, and it's edged God out. And, and finally, I would just mention this. I believe for a number of people listening to me right now, Saratoga, Half Moon, Latham, listen, you've never really given God yourself. Oh, God's been working You've sensed his movement in your life. He's actually of late given you a more humble spirit. There's sort of been an, an inclination toward God more than you've sensed perhaps ever in your life. God's been getting you ready for a moment just like this. And today, today is your moment where you turn yourself, your soul, your being over to God. Oh, you've been around church. You know some godly people perhaps, but you yourself have never actually given your life, your soul over to God. Today is the day to yield your life to Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you, Moses was so used by God because when God asked him for something, he was willing to lay it down. God asked him for his shoes. God asked him for his staff. God asked him for his very soul. And Moses was willing to lay those down. So right now, as we get ready to pray, I wonder what God is, is probing. I wonder what God is highlighting 
What are the things that God is nudging you about right now in your life? It's time to pray about those. Could I ask at all of our locations, everyone to stand, please? And as you stand, if you're physically able, just stand to your feet for a moment. And as you stand, I would ask our leaders to come, our prayer leaders, come right now, please. Just step out boldly and begin to take your place here at the front area, ready to receive all who are coming for prayer. And in this moment, I'm gonna ask you, as our music begins to play, I'm gonna ask you to courageously, courageously do what God is asking you to do and lay down that thing in your life that God is speaking to you about. So I wanna pass the baton now at Saratoga and at Half Moon to our campus pastors so they can steward this time of prayer. Now here at our Latham campus, I would ask you right now just to begin to make your way forward. Just begin to make your way forward. We're not gonna rush anyone. This time is for you. God has made very clear there's some things you need to pray about. Again, you don't have to pray with a prayer leader here. That's fine, totally fine. You can just pray on your own. But there's something about physically moving your body standing up, stepping out, moving forward. There's something bold about that that says, God, this is for real. This is for real. I'm not holding back. God, this is for real. You come on right now as God is moving you. You make your way. Couples need to come together. Couples need to come together and say, we just need a moment of prayer. Nobody's gonna keep you very long. Just a moment of prayer about our relationship. You come right now as we continue to seek God in prayer. Hey, Church Online family, I am so glad that you joined us today. That was such a great service. And as you just saw from our Latham campus, we closed today at all three of our campuses with a really special time of prayer. And we didn't want to leave you left out just because you're at home. So I want to take a second to pray for you. So let's pray together here online today. Father God, we are so thankful for the words that you gave Pastor Rex today. Lord, I know that you're touching people in the individual sanctuaries today, but I know that you're speaking powerful words to people who are watching online, on their phones, on their computers and TVs, or maybe even after the fact, after this live message. So God, I really pray that you just do an incredible work in their lives. I thank you for every single person watching this live stream or playing back. God, I just ask that you would work in their lives. 
we know that you have an incredible plan for us, and we're so thankful that uh, we get to be a part of that plan, God. I just ask that you would help us to lay down everything that we have, everything that we are, all of our desires, all of our wants, all of our dreams and our plans, God. And I just ask that we, uh, every person that is, is watching this would lay it down at your feet, God, and that we would be able to take up your cross, that we would be able to just live a life that is devoted and dedicated to you because Lord, your plans are so much higher, your ways are higher, and you have so much more in store for us. We're so, so thankful for that. Lord, I just ask that you would bless every person that is watching this today in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We are so, so thankful once again that you decided to join us today. I hope that you enjoyed the content today. If you did, be sure to like and subscribe and share this with a friend. It really means the world to us. I know that God is doing something incredible in your life and we want to spread the word. We want everyone else that you know, that you've come in contact with to, to hear the word of God and to know all that God is doing through your life, through the, uh, the lives of people at Grace Fellowship and in the Capital Region. I'm so thankful that you joined us. Be sure to follow us on social media. Stay up to date with all that's happening at Grace Fellowship. And you know what? Now's a great time to get involved as we start this new year. We're still in the beginning stages of 2023. Be sure to, to check out our website to see how you can get involved. And you know what? You can also find service times and directions to one of our campuses in case you want to join us in person. So once again, thank you so much for joining us. I hope that this blessed you today. Have a great week.